Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He lays Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 6, or Chapter 6 of The Mandalorian, titled The Prisoner, and Season 2, Episode 11 of The Resistance, titled Station to Station. I think we've got one quick uh, announcement, really more of a correction. William, you want to tell us what we got wrong? Yeah, so, um, so last week we were talking about, I wouldn't say we got it wrong necessarily, we theorized wrong. It's a clarification. Um, clarification, yeah. So, uh, turns out, um, in the Mandalorian uh, last week, when uh, the the Tuscan Raider and the Mandalorian were conversing using sign language, we were talking. We were wondering if that was you know American sign language or not. And sure enough, it actually is ASL. We thought maybe they'd made something up for Star Wars, but no, it is it is actual ASL in Star Wars. That's awesome. Kind of cool. That's that's very so, cool. <clears throat> yeah, and we were speculating that maybe it was or or, or wasn't. Sure enough, uh, it is. So pretty cool. And with that, Tom, we've got uh, an exciting episode to talk about. What are we reviewing today? One. Okay. So the first part of the podcast, we're going to be reviewing The Mandalorian Chapter 6, The Prisoner, directed by Rick Fumuyiwa. This was also written by Christopher Yost and as well as Rick Fumuyiwa again. So the synopsis for the episode is The Mandalorian joins a crew of mercenaries on a dangerous mission. Yes, 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 yes. So this this episode Excellent. continues the trend of slightly more standalone episodes, um, which is I, I loved the episode. I, I kind of wish we got a bit more of a sense of the Mandalorian's overall mission. Uh, like, is he like is he trying to take out the client? Just be on the run? Just like is I, he just settled down and decided I, to live and just do missions with the Baby Yoda? What do you yeah, guys think I, the Mandalorian's mission is? I don't think is? there's an overarching story really anymore. I mean, no. there's, there's an overarching, there's a start to it. Right. Um, you know, which is the first three episodes. And then I think it's, I think we really are kind of in, uh, it's intended to be an episode of the week kind of show. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and, and I, what do, sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, 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 go ahead. You finish your thought. I was going to say, it's, you know, what do the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda get up to this week? Mm-hmm. What hijinks ensue? And, and it really, for me, I don't have a problem with this one uh, being this way. I think it, it's it's odd because we talk about it when it comes to resistance. How how is it plotting the the the, the story going forward? Somehow with this one with the Mandalorian, okay, you know the overall arc is he's protecting the child, plain and simple. But I kind of have no problem with there not being the, the what's the end game of the the show? Where is he going to take the child? Is he going to end up in the hands of the Empire? Are the uh, mercenaries and the bounty hunters going to come after him at the end? One big shootout. That right now doesn't bother me. I'm just very enamored by the way the show is it is. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get that eventually. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of an old Western style show, right? Like we talked about that a lot in the first couple episodes. And I, and this is where it's a little bit before my time, but like I always imagine those old Westerns were kind of this same kind of thing. Like it's, an older version of television where it's it's not as much about an overarching story. Certainly there is one, but it's not, it doesn't progress every single episode. 
and it's much more of a uh, you know, episode of the week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe you and get I, a little bit more here or there. Yeah. Go ahead, William. And, and I think it works actually extraordinarily well like that. Like, The Mandalorian does a fantastic job. You don't necessarily have to have a a, a story you're driving to, per se. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of wish there was just some indication of, like, is he, is he just kind of living life now? Which is fine. Or is he, like, on the on a quest for something you know i guess it's just some sort of indication of of what he was trying to because originally he was trying to he escaped and he rescued the baby and then he went on the run and needed sanctuary and now he's like well i didn't have sanctuary so Mm -hmm. uh, i'm gonna get shot down um and then after that it's just kind of like is but you know what again very minor quibble overall with the show and i they don't actually Mm -hmm. need to be progressing the plot forward in a major way with this show they've they've proven that they can they can take a show and um give us different installments based on a premise and um and the premises drives the show forward and and it still feels fantastic and i i i Mm -hmm. really like it and actually in this case they take a very different tact and give us a different style of episode than we've seen in the past uh, up until now, the and Mandalorian has really been more of a space western, uh, and now while it still keeps the western feel at times, it actually be, turns into more of a heist show and then even a, a horror episode uh, mm. in, in a way. Well, what did you guys think of when the Razor Crest basically flew into that what what you would almost consider a chop shop in space? Mm-hmm. I found that very interesting. But also, I think it was a very nice way to set up the episode because how else were they going to do it other than like a chop shop? And he's got to get a job from there. Yeah, I just I like this these glimpses into the Mandalorian's past. You know, we meet um, Ranzar Ran Malk, you know, this kind of uh, mob boss almost, you know, but clearly has a past. He did have that feel to it. Kind of slimy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, like he's kind, he feels kind of slimy. You can tell maybe he doesn't always run the most, uh, you know, legitimate of jobs necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I don't know. I like I like that feel of the episode. But you also got the feeling that the Mandalorian worked for him at a certain point because he knew that was a place that he mm-hmm. could go to to find a job. Yeah, and we and with also no questions asked because that's the other thing. We can tell he's starting to get desperate. He's he's yep. running out of resources. You know, he just, he needs help. Well, and clearly he did not want to be there because there are so many times when Ran is like, uh, he's kind of, kind of a jerk, you know? Um, and I'd say more than kind of, and, you know, yeah. and he, he just keeps messing with the Mandalorian and he, the Mandalorian just kind of takes it and doesn't really comment on it when he could easily be getting very annoyed. Like, you know the he's like yeah i need to uh, you know the mandalorian obviously goes there for a job and rand's just like no I, I i actually wanted your ship like i want you but really your ship is is why you're here uh cuz the the razor crest is you know not really is not registered so it's able to kind of slip mm-hmm. in under the radar um yeah i thought that was an interesting detail it, it's a little bit weird to me that like i don't know that this is so important i guess it just, it, I don't know, it felt slightly odd. Yeah. Well, it felt sli- slightly odd, but then again, as William said, 
the, the best thing about the episode was he needed that razor crest because it was underneath the imperial records or underneath what, what was going on at that time. And it, it, it worked in this guy's favor to bring in the Mandalorian that had a pass with him and also Mandalorian. So it, it set up a really good story going forward. Yeah. But now the crew was another story. Well, that was fast. Exactly. And I guess what I was saying was like the, the Mandalorian doesn't want to work for this guy, but you sure. know, he, he basically finds out like, you know, well, we need your, we really wanted your ship and we know how, um, how attached the Mandalorian is to his ship. But, he he basically has to roll with it anyway, and then he gets introduced to all of these, the rest of the crew, many of whom like he clearly does not like, and they're either you know ex- you know rude or mean to him, or are you know something he's uh, like afraid of, or, or you know they start like taking over his ship, and and he he kind of just lets them almost walk all over him in the which first part of the which I find surprising for a Mandalorian. That's the one thing I, about yeah. it I find very surprising. I, I actually kind of like it. It it always strikes me as, you know, you he's he doesn't react to things. And mm. so, mo- like, you know, look at um, uh, what was is it? Zian, I think. Yeah. The Twi'lek, which you know, we'll talk about more in a moment. But like most people got like they all get kind of tired of pestering him to some degree. Like there's only because he never reacts. That's true. Yeah. And if you don't react. That's, to that's very true. People eventually will just go away. Like it's true in real life as well. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, you know, as we see later, like you push him too far and you you do get the short end of that stick. Like, oh, I just I think it adds it adds really nicely to his character and you can feel like, oh, yeah, this he doesn't say much, but that doesn't mean I should, you know, feel like I can get away with anything. Yeah. Well, so. in some cases, they always warn you about the quiet ones. And it seems in this case, uh, yeah, he was pretty quiet for a reason because they ended up paying for it in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing I noticed about the chop shop uh, was the fact that for, I would say, the majority of the scenes, there's heavy blurring going on in the background. It was really mm. noticeable this time. I don't know if you guys noticed it at all. That I didn't notice. Um, I didn't catch it. But as I'm picturing it, I I do see it like there's you can see the razor crest. You see the background, but it, it is very much. Um, I don't know how would I'm trying to think of how to describe it like. Yeah, a soft. They're trying focus. to keep the yeah. They're trying to keep the focus on the things that are most detailed, like the razor crest. Mm. I feel yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the okay. razor crest. And I don't know the, if that's a stylistic the, choice or ex- a set issue. Yeah, and I part of me wondered like, could it be the set, or could it be the fact that they're using that special screen in the background that lets them project, uh, you know, and make it lo- look like the the area is bigger than it really is, uh, and that by blurring they're able to kind of um, uh, kind of smooth over the seams somewhat. Um, Either way, it was interesting. Like it, it, it was a felt a little bit overdone, but, um, but like wasn't so much to detract from the episode. It was just something a, a little interesting that I, yeah. I noticed and kind of struck me yeah. as I mean, as curious. We're really on the station only long enough to be introduced to the crew, mm-hmm. and then we're kind of off. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's off to let's, the races. Let's talk about that. Um, what do you what do you think of Mayfeld? He's he's the play by Bill Burr. He's the leader of the of the crew, and what he says goes uh, as far as uh, Ren. He's kind of a jerk, but I like yeah. his backpack. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and that, is that okay? Is that a fair description? I think that's a very fair description. The only the, the thing that only popped up to my mind was I think it reminded me a little bit of and 
or what is it? What's the other guy? Not Iron Man. Um, War Machine. War Machine. Thank you. Because of the thing that pops up behind him. But I didn't take it as a distraction because in this universe, I think that worked. I'm going to say it better because how it was designed. I mean, it was really cool. It's like this automated yeah. um, gun uh, shoulder attachment and uh, basically lets him fire three weapons at once instead of two. It's a really cool concept. Um, and, and I guess, you know, I, I, it sounds like he doesn't, I think it's, you know, controlled by a, by an AI of, of, of sorts. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, it's yeah. pretty neat. Um, and mm-hmm. we also find out he's a former Imperial sharpshooter. I loved the line between the Mandalorian where he calls him a stormtrooper. <laughs> he says, yep. no, that's not saying much. Yes. And the guy's like, I wasn't a stormtrooper. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, well, you know, it's it's not good being a stormtrooper. No, I, you know, they, they don't have the best reputation as far as aim goes. Um, we also got a returning uh, actor to the Star Wars universe uh, and the Dave Filoni projects. Uh, Clancy Brown, who, of course, played Savage Opress in The Clone Wars. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was as him. well as Ryder Azadi in Rebels and Montross in the game Bounty Hunter. He played Berg, the hulking Deveronian. Thoughts on his character? Oh, I liked it. I, I didn't know they were uh, fireproof, which we find out later. That I found fascinating. Or at least incredible. Yeah, that was a, a really cool sequence. Yeah, that really um, was. I just I loved the physicality he brought to the role, I guess. Like, mm. obviously, that's his main feature. Um, but just, you know, the, seeing him tower over Mandalorian and literally everyone else, like, you, yep, got it. I understand why he's here. Do you think... And he was also a man of few words. Do you think he felt a little bit too much of a brute? I. This is one of the things. In in an episode this short, I like especially when these are characters that we're only going to see in really this one episode. I don't mind when episodes or sorry when characters are more caricatures than normal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't because yeah, yeah. you know Mayfeld is the kind of jerk main you know leader of the squad you've got berg who's the big he's who's the muscle like they all play a caricature and yeah, i i they really are okay in this yeah. type of episode okay that's good like they they don't need that much depth mm-hmm. yeah yeah it didn't it didn't bother me at all that he was like the brute we also meet uh q90 aka zero aka z played by uh, richard uh AOD from um, IT Crowd, and I thought his voice sounded familiar. I could not place it. Yeah, same. That is really that's funny. Yeah, and he's a pretty cool droid as well. Uh, probably one of the more robotic droids we've seen in Star Wars, almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not as yeah, much personality. Yeah. No. I didn't like his design a lot. Yeah. He. Was that a RA7 series? It looked a lot like an RA7 series, like uh, you'd see on the Death Star. The Death or, Star, the Death Star droids. Yeah, or like or AP5 from Rebels. Not quite. Yeah, like the, it was, yeah. very similar. It, I I will say I noticed a couple of times they did a. I think he was a almost 100 percent a practical like costume. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of times where I felt like I could see like, especially between his neck and his head. Um. um 
Oh, really? like his head, neck, and body. Like you could tell it's like, ah, oh, there, there is a person in there. Yeah. Wow, I missed all that. Got a, Tom, are you not paying attention? No, I'm, I'm paying attention. I mean, I, I just found it very fascinating that here you have the Mandalorian who doesn't trust droids. Mm. The one reason why this droid is part of the crew is because he has to pilot the Razor Crest because of the precise maneuvers they have to do in that ship. Yeah, which that's wouldn't a, let the Mandalorian I do it. But this droid had to do it. That I found fascinating. Right, because the whole series so far, we yeah, they've, like, they've they've driven home just how much the Mandalorian hates droids, and now he has to work with one. And the droid, in a couple cases, when the Mandalorian was behind him, kind of pushed him off, or just like, you know what, it's it's my job, get out of here. Mm-hmm. However, he put it. Steven? No, it's, um. What was I going to say? I, I was just, I was surprised the Mandalorian let him pilot the ship at all. Like, it's almost like it was, he didn't have a choice is the way I got it. Well, again, it, it kind of goes back a to little that. Bit. He, he just kind of seemed to roll over and let them trounce all over him. Uh, anything they wanted, he just kind of let them do, um, except for, except for pulling off his helmet and messing that, with yeah. the child. That, that's true. And even messing with the child, he didn't really interfere until uh, uh, the maneuvers happened. But we'll we can we'll come back to to that. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know. I, th- I thought uh, Zero was was cool droid. Uh, also, not to be confused, Q nine Zero, not to be confused with Q nine Zero one, Kip Duran's personal droid in the Yuuzhan Vong books. Um, William, <sighs> I wish you I were so close. I the detail. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I even, I don't have that good of a memory. Thank you, uh, Wikipedia, oh, okay. I when I searched for Q9-0 and was disappointed to find that Wikipedia oh, is not, uh, on top it of their game yet. all makes sense now. Because wow. they are, they don't even have an entry for, uh, for this droid. I was trying to confirm if it was actually a Death Star droid or not, but there's no details. I'm pretty sure that, informi- that information will come out at some point if it's not out there eh, by the end of the year. And last, Xi'an, played by Natalia Tena. Um, Tom, your thoughts on this Twi'lek? Out of all the all the Twi'leks that we have come across in the Star Wars universe, going all the way back to Clone Wars, going to Rebels, I found this I found this fascinating how this actress played the part. I'm. I mean, I see in the show notes, I, I now do think that she was kind of playing it with a Harley Quinn inspiration, mm-hmm. but there oh, was more so of much a, so. so much so, but, but there was also, there was also when it came to Mandalorian, there was a hinting that they had relations at one point or maybe, or she was trying, or she was just trying to get under his skin. Um, but then there was also like the, this, this creepiness. And I almost want to say a, a dark, um, uh, a very dark nature to the character that out of all the tulips we've seen, never seen this acted that way before or done this way before. It's an interesting portrayal of the character. Yeah. She was probably my least favorite of Thank all you. of the crew. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to say that part. No, I, I don't mind saying it. Like okay. I found her more annoying. Um, and it was just, it, especially because it really did feel like Harley Quinn, especially out of the uh, like the Suicide Squad movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just it was it was a little 
too on the nose, I think. The crazy uh, laughter. I think in some the, cases, the sorry to interrupt, but a little too heavy handed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, she was my least favorite of the four newcomers, I think. Yeah. Um, I'd probably rank it. I like Q9 the most, then Berg, then Mayfeld, then Xion. Interesting. Okay, I would actually go zero Mayfeld, Berg, Xion. What'd you do, Tom? Well, clearly you're wrong. Wait, 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 but, wait. I mean, but but don't, don't you want my ratings? No, no, we're not doing. How do you rate the ratings four? on? Well, no, I mean, you're, you, the, the two of you guys said that you want the, this one first, this one second, this oh, one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Yeah, what are you asking for? Okay. Yeah. I actually, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I like Mayfeld the most, with the droid a close okay. second, and then Berg, and then naturally, okay. uh, uh, Keon was was last. But I actually like the Mayfeld character. Yeah, he was cool. He was, he yeah. was cool. Um, but uh, I mean, you know, I, I thought while her hissing got kind of old, I thought, yeah, the I that part I agree with the um, the way they shot her. I actually really liked because every time she was on screen, uh, they would kind of shoot the camera at, at a slightly or whatever. It was, she was solely focused on here. It would be shot at like a, like a weird slanted angle from below that kind of drove home how crazy she was. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so I, I thought that was at least from a um, uh, cinematography standpoint was really well done um, and I, I wonder like how much do you think how much do you think this was the relationship with the Mandalorian was a real thing versus in her head oh 100% not a real thing yeah I would think in the head yeah I don't think yeah, a real that was thing. Uh, and I, I don't know that I'd say it was in her head like she made it up like i it was, I expect, very one-sided. Oh, yes. Sorry. That's how yes. I interpret yes. it. Same here. Yeah. Same here. Because I, I don't... Something... I would think in the episode where the Mandalorian was on the planet and he was with the uh, farmers, mm-hmm. I would I would think if anything were to happen between anybody, I would believe that one over this one. Oh, the Mandalorian isn't touching Xi'an with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, but, uh, and, and that, that's why that's why well, her, her playfulness, the playfulness. Hang on, well, William, wait, 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 um, I did like yes. a lot of the 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 the, the one sided comments though that were made in the in the episode. Uh, again, as Harley Quinn as they were, um, they were kind of funny. Like how you know she's talking about how, like oh a lady never tells when you know talks about pulling off his helmet and and again throughout throughout mm. everything the Mandalorian is almost completely silent, completely well, silent. And I think that's the best thing about it is because he has the helmet on. You don't get any kind of facial recognition coming out of him at all, which I could just see the tension building with between the other four because you could tell at a certain point that they were getting frustrated by the non-reaction of the Mandalorian to what they're saying. Right. right. Oh, yeah. They were uh, thoroughly pissed off, I would say. Although, yeah. contrast that, that, that. Sorry. Go ahead, Steven. That's it. Continue. I was going to segue into the next point. I was going to say, well, contrast that with Ran, who earlier in the episode, you know, sees the Mandalorian's expressionless uh, helmet and basically sarcastically asks, oh, is that gratitude I see? Oh, of course it's gratitude. You know, uh, he kind of uses the the Mandalorian's silence in a slightly different way. 
Uh, almost against him. Yeah, mm. almost against him. Um, but you know, like the Mandalorian didn't didn't really care. Yeah. Um, so how long do you think you the know, Mandalorian thought, ran with Rand? I was about to ask that. I don't know. Oh, there you go. It. I felt like it felt like it was a non-trivial amount of time. It seemed like they ran mm-hmm. a good number of jobs. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if maybe this is back back before he joined the guild even because Rand doesn't seem to do kind of guild jobs generally. And that's the impression I got too because why would the Mandalorian run to him if he did any kind, if Rand did any kind of guild jobs? Because mm-hmm. this was supposed to be everything under the table, done. But how could you trust uh, somebody like that? Hey, as, he, as Rand said, no questions asked. That's right. Nothing, nothing matters. That's right. We'll just take your ship and use it and put a droid in your pilot spot. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, like the Mandalorian, like Zero just starts messing with the Mando's ship, and I'm, I'm sure he was not happy. Um, and starts to uncover what will be the, the kind of the B plot in this episode, where he finds a message, uh, a garbled message from Grief Karga that kind of piques his, his interest. And, uh, you know, that can only uh, mean trouble for the Mandalorian later on, as it certainly does. Now, uh, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to jump back a bit when we started the episode saying we have no problem with the way the, the shows are going without a through line. Technically, when you, when you think there is that through line here, because, yes, the Mandalorians are to protect the baby. But because of Zero finding this this transmission from Grief Karga, you do get the sense that at some point. If the droid were to get to the other three, they would double cross him to get that baby to get the bounty. Oh, sure. There's definitely oh, a sequ- sure. sequence yeah. in the episode. So it's not completely standalone, which I like. Yeah. You know, it, 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 there, yeah, there are is that little itty bitty thread. And, but yeah, the, you know, there, there is the itty, itty bitty thread. And yeah. I, I do like continuity we get of things like the Mandalorian ship. You know, Zero makes a comment that uh, seems like hyperdrives at 68%, lots of other things are broken. And I'm just saying, thing, thing, I'm like, yeah. It got mm-hmm. taken apart by a bunch of Jawas. How do you think it's doing? <laughs> like, which is true. Which I'm surprised you didn't down. find that within his little database uh, uh, snooping. It was, it was taken apart by, by Jawas and then shot down and then repaired by uh, a, a, an old lady on Tatooine. Um, and pit droids. And, well, no, 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 wait a minute. No, the pit, not the pit droids. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, but, like, of course the ship's not in great condition. It, it's been through a lot this this season so far Um, absolutely and and name one ship in the star wars universe that actually was in pristine condition oh exactly uh i mean uh why am i the uh naboo star uh not starfighter the naboo uh yeah in pretty good condition okay all right i I mean until it got shot up i mean no that's okay. Yeah. Maybe that's okay. not a good example. You know what else is in pretty good condition, though? The New Republic prison transport, which apparently, much to the Mandalorian's chagrin, is their target. We get a, your, your classic heist mission briefing, um, complete with the map. And uh, we learn that the target is not someone who was captured by a rival syndicate, but instead was actually imprisoned by the New Republic, which... Uh, not not the best decision Mando's to go after. Mando's not a fan. Yeah. No, I, I like seeing how the Mando doesn't really want to go up against the New Republic. Is because he, you know, it's not clear if it's because he's more afraid of them or because he just doesn't want to go after like legitimate government, uh, a, a, a prisoner of that government. Either way, he doesn't want to attack, but he's kind of, again, forced to go along with this 
with this crew. Well, and especially at mm-hmm. this point, like he's outnumbered four to one on his own ship. And are you saying he couldn't as take we them. see, you know, well, I was I, I was going to say four to one in it, one, one in a quarter. Well, four. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's it's not a great uh, position for him. Like he's kind of stuck there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel he like doesn't zero has to pilot the ship. He doesn't really get a choice in that. He has to continue to take the taunting of the crew because, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't really have a choice. But did you get the feeling that because of all the taunting, because of the had he had no choice and you knew it was going to happen in the episode, he was just biding his time for the opportunity to basically take out these four and continue on I, with his life? I don't think he was biding his time per se as much as uh, he was ready. Well, yeah, he, he yeah. took the opportunity as soon as it was given to him. I'm sure he was not disappointed that they betrayed him and yeah, that's probably how I'm pretty sure he knew it was going to come. I I wouldn't be surprised if he knew. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least had a feeling because like even from the very beginning, right. They, they lie to him about where the target is. Like they're not truthful the entire time. Um, and, 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 you know, as you said, they, they even begin to taunt him the entire way to the prison ship. Uh, you know, they're all like he's basically kicked out of his own cockpit and forced to go, you know, meet with everyone else. And like Berg is is kind of angrily, ang- angrily walking around, banging things and like poking his head into the various parts of the, the Mando ship. Finds all his weapons and the Mandalorian was just like, uh, closed. It on nope. the- <laughs> I did like yeah, how you like, like, no. don't open all of the doors. Yeah. Yeah. I did like how he nonchalantly remotely closed those those doors. Um, but, uh, but you know, they, they're just, the crew is just not friendly at all. And you'd think like, Hey, we're all on the same mission together. Maybe let's try to get along. Even if we're, we kind of annoy each other, but no, it was all like, let's all gang up on the Mando. Uh, they, cause they didn't seem to mind each yeah. other too much. Um, but they hated the Mandalorian himself. Well, um, obviously they're planning on betraying him at this point as well. Right. Yeah, actually, so was it part of the plan from the beginning to betray the Mandalorian? Like, even with so. Ran? Would, yeah, I think Was so Ran too. in on it? I'm pretty sure it was. Hmm. Just based on kind of how the job goes, I think it was rescue the, uh, I don't even, what, what's the guy's name? Uh, Quinn. Um, oh, God. I'm, Quinn. Uh, well, rescue the Twi'lek. What is, what is the name of the other Twi'lek? Quinn. Oh, Quinn. Thank you. Sorry, I didn't. Yeah. I thought you were sneezing. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, like, so I think the plan was always to rescue Quinn and either kill or leave the Mandalorian in his place so that the New Republic is none the wiser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's an interesting thing. What did you think of the line when they were joking around the Mandalorian that, you know, that they were the, or they were or are the greatest warriors in the galaxy, but they're all dead? Is it because the Mandalorians are now in hiding that everybody considers, or at least these four consider they're dead, even though we know otherwise? I think so. That's how I took it. Mm-hmm. Like, the most of the galaxy doesn't realize the Mandalorians are still a thriving, well, maybe not thriving, but it's still a relatively strong culture. Yeah. I mean, again, they, they are underground. They even say in an earlier episode that they can't go above ground more than one at a time. And when they do, uh, they end up having to, to completely re- locate the enclave uh because they were exposed and i I think this is all just going back to again like 
the constant taunting and the messing with the Mandalorian. Um, I, I think clearly they are very upset at the Mandalorian for what he did to to um, to Quinn. Quinn on the because we find yeah. out you know Quinn is uh, played by uh, Ismail Cruz Cardova is um, he's a uh, Shion's brother, and uh, apparently the Mandalorian left him in uh or left him behind on a on a mission back when they were back when uh, quinn sheehan and ran were, were all working together and it's definitely one of those stories where i'm pretty sure there's a little bit more than uh Gian and the rest were letting on oh yeah it was their part of the story and not the mandalorian's part of the story you're only getting theirs right right but they're they're clearly upset and absolutely so when the mandalorian returns looking for help it's kind of their opportunity to um, kind of mess with him the whole time and, and get revenge. And so they start by just making fun of him. They, you know, uh, they, they, they mock they, the, they this mock is the him. way, right? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. loved that. I love how, how she unmocked. This is the way uh, they mock him about saying, Oh, maybe you're a Gungan under that helmet. Right. Oh yeah, that was a that was an yeah. interesting callback right there. Them's are fighting words. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. also about the never takes off the helmet. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even try to like forcibly remove his helmet at one point. Yeah, that's like, like uh, you know, they, they are they're definitely trying to kind of like throw these barbs at the Mandalorian. I don't know if they were trying to intentionally provoke him so they could, you know, kill him mid mission or just were waiting for the right opportunity to betray him, but. You know, well, that, they, that they could have been like that them. could have been like let's say a C plot for the the three of four of them that hey or three of them that let's kill the Mandalorian take it let's kill the Mandalorian do the job we've got his ship boom mm-hmm. done that that could have been a what they could have been thinking yeah do you think the mission the job on Alzac three do you think that's the one where Quinn was left behind because they they mentioned Alzac three which is actually really cool because Alzac three has been around for a long time in the EU. Like we, we heard it more recently in last shot and Freemaker adventures, but even like it was in Kotar and empire at war galaxies, uh, galaxies and so much more. Do you think that that's the, the job where Quinn was left behind? I would, I would assume so. Cause the man, as I've always he did said, if you're going to call attention to something, it means it or, you know, you got to use it. So I would think so. Yeah. Cause that's the mission where like, Shion's trying to get the, him him to tell them about that mission. He says he did did what he had to do, and that was that was about it. But but yeah, the uh, the 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 one thing though, which I didn't really, I don't know. I, I thought about it instantly when the episode began, and I kind of forgot about it. And I thought they did a good job of that. Was Baby Yoda? Like I actually forgot mm-hmm. about Baby Yoda. Um, oh, I didn't forget. I was wondering the entire time, like, did, where is he? Well, I, established when he landed, I was like, yeah. he walks weird. off of ships at the first, the first sign. Yeah, what are you doing? And then you know when, when they're teasing him, you kind of start to at least I started to forget during all the teasing. And Berg accidentally opens the small door to the sleeping quarters, revealing Baby Yoda. Uh, finally, finally revealing what the little guy's up to, and he actually stayed put. Thankfully, yeah. Uh, I assume there is no way to open the door from the inside. He'd find. I'm sure the child would figure out a way to do it. He's got the force, but um, of course. But that's when Mayfeld, like, is just how disgusting he is, and he like picks up the child. And is like, oh, I've always, I've always wanted a pet. Maybe I'll start with this the guy, and 
man, when that ship does evasive maneuvers and he drops baby, baby Yoda one, oh, like, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, one, thankfully baby Yoda's safe from mm-hmm. him, but two, like, I'm sure everyone's heart stopped when Baby Yoda fell on the ground. <laughs> well, I also yeah, think the evasive maneuvers came fallen. at the right time. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, though, Stephen. It's not the first time he's fallen. He seems to fall a lot. And he's and he's always okay. Well, he's a baby. What do you expect? When well, he waddles, he, you know, he, he, he will fall. It's not his fault he's falling. It's people no. pick him up and then drop him. Yeah. Not what you're supposed to do. No. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he comforted himself before he got to the fall. But no, interestingly, no one recognized the little guy, like his species, not just as a target, but the fact that he is of a rare species. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's very, that's how rare he is. So we get to the, yeah. we get to the insertion. Steven, how did you feel about the whole insertion scene? Your, your, your thoughts? I- I'm so I'm not sure I buy the whole like we have to do this crazy maneuver in order to avoid their sensors, but I it made for a cool visual of the ship. They come out of hyperspace, they do this crazy loop, and then come in for that kind of close in landing to dock with the prison ship. Um, zero, it, it's normal to you know, it's the nice thing. Oh, hey, we're coming down to hyperspace. Three, two, one. Uh, no, uh, no warning at all this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like you said, I, I thought it was a really cool. It was a cool scene. The music, especially as they were inserting, was just was awesome. Uh, as they came out of hyperspace yeah. and started doing the 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 evasive maneuvers, and we learned the the Razorcrest has a ventral docking clamp in addition to the boarding ramps on the sides and the back. I mean, it's kind of a hole in the floor, so yeah. it's not. Yeah, but also get carried away. And, and for me, for a ship like that, it kind of makes sense. Where is it going to dock? It can't go from the top because of the way it's designed. So the bottom, because it's flat, would make sense that, that that's where it would be located. Yeah. And the, the moment when the Mandalorian looks at the Baby Yoda's compartment before leaving, it just speaks volumes. You know, that, yeah, that look of concern. Is, and, he doesn't have a lot of options, and it, it definitely no. shows. Yeah. His only hope is that Z does not know about baby yoda he's the only one who did not well, see the little guy well he, his only hope was him not to just go walking through the ship which eventually z ended up doing mm-hmm. well to be fair z only does that after baby yoda makes an appearance in the cockpit that is very true forgot about that yeah, yeah but, he pops up and is uh z is very perplexed around what is what is this creature doing here and he chases him through the ship which was, was actually such a tight I, I scene got, yeah, I was going to say, even though we're going to get to the other part of this, that whole little chase scene between Baby Yoda and the droid was actually very fun to watch. Very yeah, entertaining. I, the, I love the shots where Baby Yoda is hiding while Z is hunting him with the blaster. Mm-hmm. And that moment of where he realizes, like, oh, I'm in danger. Yes. And the way it was intercut with the rest of the episode was really, really well done. So, yeah, I, I really like that whole, that whole subplot. And we'll get to what happens uh, at the end of the hunt. In a little bit, but first, they uh, the group of bounty hunters enter the prison transport, guided gu- guided by Zero over the comms. Um, I love the look of the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought they did a really good job of capturing. Like, it's very reminiscent of the uh, Tanti- uh, Tantafor, um, kind of those clean white lines and 
uh, so on. And, it, you know, it has its own unique feel. Like, this is what New Republic is. Mm-hmm. Did you catch the yeah, Imperial? Very bright. Yeah. And they have the same core. Did I catch what? Did you catch the uh, Imperial officer and the Ardinian, like uh, Rio Durant in Solo? Uh, it was really quiet. I, I caught I did, the Imperial I, officer. Yeah. I uh, see. I caught the second one. Um, I did not catch the Imperial officer. That's a, yeah. I caught the Imperial nice officer. Nice little detail. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, it's a it'd be fascinating to to learn more about like. I mean, clearly this ship is like a, it's a maximum security prison. So it's, it's, it's always flying around to keep it a little more mobile, hard to track down. Mm. Um, what I found fascinating about this ship, it was mostly staffed by droids with only one human on board. Mm-hmm. That's what I found interesting. Although it makes sense if it's always traveling. It's going to be a lonely, lonely time for the one solitary guy though. Like, I don't know how. Yeah. And did you guys be- recognize who that was? The one lone solitary. I did not until the credits, and I can't believe I didn't know. Oh, you didn't recognize him? Oh, I'm the same way, Steven. It's it, Matt Lanter, Anakin Skywalker from the Clone Wars. So cool. Yeah, I did not catch that at all. Yeah, his name. Because also, uh, he didn't say much at all. What? No, he 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 said he's he, he didn't he didn't he say died. enough for me to recognize that was an that was matt lanter yeah he, he had more of his normal voice instead of his anakin voice um right but yeah D- devan was his name and it's really cool to see matt lanter playing a live action role uh he's even wearing a helmet like the rebel blockade runner uh mm-hmm. and and mayfeld yeah, i like that detail too mayfeld kind of calls him an egghead because of it we, those have got to be the biggest hats we missed the very important sequence, though, when the group is attacked by the New Republic. Uh, oh, sorry droids, about though. that. Mm-hmm. Like, the New Republic droids are kind of terrifying. They're yeah. so cool. But did you also notice they use mouse droids, too? I mean, yes, New Republic security droids were pretty cool and, and kind of terrifying, but they also have mouse droids. So the Imperials and the Republic use the mouse droids? Or is it because They're very now the Empire is gone, we're going to take the mouse droids? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they got the yeah. mouse droid factory, and so they the New Republic took it over and started deploying them to their ships. <laughs> no, uh, in all yeah. seriousness, no, this, this, though, the, the security droids were, were so cool. I love the little starboard symbol on their uh, the, you know, Republic yeah. logo on their chests and just the, the visor, their like, eye photoreceptor, like, the way it's like a thin mm-hmm. band of light. Just really terrifying and in how the mandalorian managed to take them all out by himself like just fantastic uh, that was the coolest scene. thing because i loved how you had the other three sitting there thinking well he bailed on them and they're always making like fun of him and then to have him come from basically flanking them and taking them all out it's like yeah now we know why we have the mandalorian along but you'll notice mayfeld actually stopped Shion and everyone else from intervening and helping out in the fight and they forced him true. to fight yeah. all of the droids himself. And he does pull out all the stops, like knives, blasters. He rips off arms, pulls off, pulls droids told, toward him you know, with the, the grappling wire and uses this flamethrower. Um, you know, even beats a droid with its own arm before shooting it through the head. Oh, that, like, was, that was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Like, and we see his armor take more shots. Like it's, yeah. It yeah. is a, a rough fight for him. Yeah. So he he does succeed, but again, it kind of goes back to the as we were talking about earlier. Were those the rest of the crew just 
waiting for him to die and trying to put him in the most dangerous situations so that he would die. And, you know, Hey, if it doesn't work, eventually they'll, they'll double cross him. Okay. Now here's an interesting thing when it comes to the crew is trying to put the Mandalorian in a spot to make him die. But here's the Mandalorian where they have the new Republic or basically Matt Lanter cornered. doesn't want to kill anybody. And that's a whole thing. I think he's trying to stay off the radar. I think so. But I I find that interesting to where you have one side that wants to kill everything in their path and the Mandalorian and it's established throughout the whole thing. He doesn't want to kill anybody. I think it's just his personality. I think it just shows he's he's got a code. He doesn't kill unless necessary. He's he's not afraid to kill. That is true. He would prefer not to, especially innocent lives. Right. And Devan is an innocent. He you know he he's just an officer on this transport ship, and he's not a he's not part of the criminal underworld. He's not a target. He is an officer doing his job. You know on a, a. prison transport carrying a bunch of criminals on a you know the legitimate government run by the legitimate government and yeah he doesn't and want he, to take him out he is so close the Mandalorian is so close to making the deal that standoff also was and then was yeah really good yeah well because he's got the little the clicker you know what is i what is with the mandalorian clickers and i mean that the mandalorian the show like we've got the trackers are a little clicker now we've got new republic clickers that call in attack fleets mm-hmm uh, I what, mean, what it, did, yeah, they're all I, terrifying. If anyone ever holds up a small square with an antenna on it, you just you run. And a flashing light. That's the lesson yeah. I'm learning. Well, especially as we learn, light. like New Republic attack teams, they are pretty, um, pretty scary. Like we even without before well, we see them, before we even see them, we know like it, it terrifies the hesitate to call them the heroes, the uh, uh, the, 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 the the crew, the crew, yeah, the crew. Right, because they they know they only have twenty minutes to finish the job, and they have to to get going pretty darn fast. And, well, and what do we, this is, do we on, actually this is, know? Sorry, one sec, Tom. No, no, do we actually ahead. know that the he, the thing gets clicked? Yes, because the yes. light starts flashing. No, yeah. they they asked if it was flashing before, it, but uh, like. No, the thing I'm wondering is, you know, so the Mandalorian obviously takes the clicker at the very end and, you know, does some some cool things with it. But I'm trying to think, do we. Do we know like it was actually clicked or does do they just think it's been clicked? And then, you know, at the very end of the episode, I think it must have been clicked because if if you're going to say this whole thing was happening in real time. Didn't once once we'll say this poor Matt Lanter did get killed, sadly. And the clicker hit the floor, and they picked it up. That I think is when it activated. Because that's true. And yeah, I was. And uh, then it's also the the thing I find fascinating about that clicker is it's also a tracking device because, as Stephen, you mentioned later, that clicker goes somewhere else. So I find it fascinating that yes, you had the clicker, and this was a prison transport that it wouldn't have activated the locator on the actual prison transport. It's the clicker itself. Can I see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think because, so. Yeah. I, I I was just reminded as well that we do uh Z does confirm that they're they have twenty minutes and the you know the new republic is inbound. Right. Yeah. Now the so. fascinating thing about the new republic inbound, I thought it was going to be a crew transport well, with soldiers. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Ooh. I'm not jump, I'm not jumping that far yet. 
but just at this save point, the best for last. I know I'm going to save the best for last because it actually is pretty cool. But I expected if this is going to be a prison transport and let's say it's a prison break, you would think that if they were coming to this transport, it would be escorting a a troop carrier mm-hmm. for a bunch of guys to come in or troop droid carrier for a bunch of droids to come in and settle the riot. Yeah. Not what we get later in the show. Right. I mean, I mean the, the, the Mandalorian right. and, and the rest of the crew, like they don't know exactly what it's going to be, but they know it's pretty terrifying. Yeah. I mean, heck, even and, and it's as soon way. as she and her learns of this, the, the, you know, the, the attack team's existence, she starts to, you know, question Mayfeld why she didn't, why he didn't let them know about this possibility earlier. Um, but, you know, e- either way, Mayfeld is clearly a trustworthy well, sort. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't even tell his own team. He's like, you know, he, he said he didn't basically think it was relevant. Um, but, but yeah, so they, they, they rush down the corridor and uh, Berg takes out a pair of lumbering security droids, a different type of security droid. They were kind of cool. Um, and they eventually find Quinn uh, in the prison cell. And that's when they throw the Mandalorian in jail uh, and leave him in prison. Um, and, and this is where things start to take a bit of a turn, uh, and the episode changes. Um, the, first of all, did you guys see the Mandalorian? Did, like, did you see everyone betraying the Mandalorian? Were you expecting that? I mean, it didn't, it didn't surprise me when it I happened. expected at some point something was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something I predicted necessarily, but when I saw it, it made complete sense. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... His escape was, I thought, really cool. Like the way, like we find out that the the cell is magnetically sealed, right? Because he shoots the blaster and just bounces all over the cell, and bounces off his best car, and and then he ends up using his uh, his grappling line to hook onto a passing security droid, reel it up to the door, and rip its arm off, and um, and shoot it like in a very like kind of a it's it's only a droid but it's a very violent scene in some ways like there's with oils oh yeah squirting all over the door like blood and um it's pretty cool though i i do have one complaint with this sequence though yes go ahead so he steals the droids steals the droids arm and then uses i think we now know it's called a scomp link from uh fallen order right yep, the little yep. the piece that fits in and, That's he, it. and he uses that to insert it into the lock and open the door but i always thought that those were like interfaces. It's like a USB stick. Right. Is how I, Hmm. And all he does is turn it. And that seems to unlock the door. It's not a key. It's a, a you, know, you have to send the signal. Yeah. It's, it's an interface. Right. What? Well, how does it it'd be like, ah, you, Tom, you want to unlock my front door here? Take this USB stick and okay, turn but, it. Okay. But I'm, I'm going to make an argument. It's going to work in this case, because let's just say it is a specific thing for this specific prison transport and it only works here so so i i I guess in this case you're gonna have to do suspension of disbelief because i think i know what you're talking about because you normally see r2d2 or any droid put in the little probe you see that thing work 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 mm -hmm. work and then all of a sudden pop it's done yeah in this case you just put in a little stick and boom it's open i mean even we see z earlier zero pop open you know open his scomp link and pull it out and and you talk about how you know much better he is than a human at flying uh, um I, I don't know i i don't buy the fact that it was like a one purpose single purpose scomp link you know i 
it's a little weird. I'm willing to let it pass, but I agree with you, Steven. It's, it was kind of, it was the one thing where I was like, really? How does he like, he's not connected to the droids. So how is he able to control the, control the scomp link? I don't know. Maybe there's a deleted scene where he interfaces with his armor or something that I could buy. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I, I, I'll, I'll just run with it and say suspension of disbelief. It worked and boom, the episode continued forward. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. And he, uh, the Mandalorian makes a run back to the, uh, security room, the kind of where everything happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this is where I think William you mentioned it. The episode takes a turn. We go from a heist episode to a horror movie. I mean, complete with strobe Shit. lights and dark red lighting and yep. like literally like you know the the <sighs> yeah, faster no, cuts I... right. It, it 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 changes completely in how it's shot. It still feels like it's part of the same thing, but mm-hmm. if you look closely, you can tell uh, it's a lot more close up. Um, very dark corridors. Right. Um, we actually see most of the episode now from the perspective of the targets, right? The rest of the crew. Um, yeah. We see the Mandalorian attacking, but, um, uh, but you know, it's, it's, we're really following the targets themselves, which I mm-hmm. think is great because, you know, for two reasons. One, this shows that the show can experiment with different styles and, and still yep. feel great. Right. And two, this uh it, we actually get to see like you know what is a what does a bounty hunter's target feel like mm-hmm. when they're being hunted right uh, and the answer is it's not good it is you know, not doors good. closed in your face you get separated from your squad like and and you're kind of oh. forced in certain areas to where you're kind of isolated from every everyone else yeah and the mandalorian had the advantage because with all the lights being out he had a visor that more than likely he could see in the dark and there is one thing that I kind of sat there and when it came to the horror movie aspect, there was a shot where I swear to God, it was like the light comes on. He's there. light comes on. He's off light comes on. Yep. He's oh, I love that. Uh, fantastic. I, I, sequence. I loved it. But now I sit there and realize it was almost Batman esque. That's yeah, I, it really. Yeah, but you're it right. It worked. Yeah. yeah. I, so let's talk about how each, each of the crew, uh, well, we find out there, they don't actually die, but how each crew gets it. So I, I was my, surprised one of them didn't, honestly. <laughs> my personal favorite, I think this is one you're talking about, Tom, is I, so Berg gets Thank separated you. and there decide he's he's going to go back to the control room and see if he can stop the Mandalorian at the source. And this is where the sequels, we get an amazing shot of Berg getting the flamethrower. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it. I guess I'm not surprised that Deveronians are fireproof, given that they, you know, as much as Star Wars has literal devils, you know, the Deveronians are the literal devils. No, you got um, a good point on that one. And then I just that shot where the Mandalorian drops the door on him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he grabs it. Yep. And you're just like, oh this and he is, stands back. This up. is gonna get such a great shot. And then that that n- other door closing, you're like, oh well that this I is thought why he they was dead. I double I blast did. doors. Yeah. And it was great comedic effect too. Um, he even uses, uh, he even uses more whistling birds on Berg. Berg managed That's to like to true, redirect that didn't his, work on him. his arm. Well, he grabs them. Yeah. He, he like redirects the arm before they can, you know, before they can hit him. But it was really cool. And actually it was cool to see more whistling birds. Cause it would make sense that the armor would give the Mandalorian more than one, mm-hmm. uh, 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 she does say they're shot. pretty rare. She did say they're so rare, I but I, I like that we saw them again because I thought we would never see them again. Honestly, true. I don't think it's something he's going to use very often. But 
Yeah, I was going to say, it'll be interesting to see how many more he's got left, how many shots are left. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, Speaking the Mandalorian, of- he gets he gets messed up pretty... Like, uh, Berg's, like, dragging him across the console. Uh, at one point, he... I did love the scene where he's, like, hiding in the vent right before when Berg walks into the room, and mm-hmm. he shoots his, uh, his, his, his grappling line around Berg's neck and, like, starts choking him. Like, it's just... It was very well done. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. So we, we've talked about Berg's uh, demise or almost demise. Then we've got, uh, I, I guess we kind of talked about, um, why am I blanking on his name? Mayfeld. Bill Burr's Mayfeld. Yeah. Like ah, that, that just that shot of him coming down at corridor is so well done. I know we talked about it, but it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, Xi'an when she starts throwing all the blades at the Mandalorian down the hallway and he deflects them all with his Beskar one by one again, kind of, I guess Batman esque like uh, now that you yeah. mentioned that Tom, I can't <laughs> yeah, get that's out of very my head. True. <clears throat> um, very much is, is like, uh, like that. And, you know, she does eventually manage to get one to connect with the Mandalorian, but he's, he kind of grabs it from his arm and just puts it right up to her neck mm-hmm. again, making us think that she is, is dead like the Mandalorian he's he's out for blood presumably um he's kind of crossed the line with them and now instead of being the guy that they're walking all over he's taking him out and in fact when he meets up with Quinn later who negotiates for his life you know Quinn asks him like what did you you know what happened to the others and the Mando, the Mando says they got what they deserved mm-hmm. and so that's why when oh. we see them at the end of the episode uh, when the episode ends and we see them that they're they're actually still in uh, in prison. It was a nice twist and shows how the Mandalorian again has grown. Mm. I do have one thing I, I want to back up a bit. Um, the toilet girl, did it bother you at all when she was inside the razor crest? This is how far I'm going back. And she's trying to balance that knife or that blade on, on her finger. Did that bother you at all that to me that looked very, I'm going to say it, fake or cg i didn't think so no 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 didn't bother. okay all right then then i must i must have seen it wrong or something because it just it just didn't look didn't look right to me but i'm not honestly i wasn't a fan of her makeup as much i felt like her her costume was a little hers and berg's actually which felt a little bit cheap oh berg's didn't bother me but yeah so i was actually after this episode i would uh, not immediately after, but relatively quickly after. Um, I started watching. Um, actually, was it in episode one? I started watching episode one, and I've also been playing uh, the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing I noticed was the Leku on the Twi'leks were. Um, I you could very much tell that they were props. Yeah. Like they they didn't have the same kind of. Uh, Flowing's not the right word, but they they were different than we've seen in previous kind of Star Wars, uh, even in prosthetics and like you know in episode one or two or three. Um, not a major thing. Like, you know, there's, <clears throat> I'm more than I'd prefer to see like slightly less high fidelity costumes. If we, it means we get more aliens just cause it, it really helps bring in that feel for star Wars, I think. But anyway, so we're back on Quinn and he, the Mandalorian is trying to decide what he's going to do to Quinn. That, that I really love the end. Can we yeah, get there what, right now? Yeah, well, I mean, what did you guys think? Like, did well, you think he was going to kill him? Did you think, like, because let's be clear, he deserved to be killed. Yes. Like, 
he is the only thing he's interested in is saving his own life in there. Well, but but to a certain extent, you know, he he did he did get his comeuppance because when the Mandalorian actually takes him in to where we saw him at the beginning, or am I jumping well, he, too far? He, Hold on, oh, yeah. oh no, I, I yeah, think he, uh, so. We are. Go ahead, William. I mean, he does. Go ahead, William, go ahead. He he does like even even before like he he tries to beg for his life at one point. You know, he he offers he even offers Mayfeld like triple what Ren was paying him to to get the Mandalorian, which I thought was interesting. It almost made it sound. I'm like sorry, Ren I forgot had, all the negotiations. Had a bounty on on the Mando. Um, so you know, he, he definitely like he doesn't even care about his sister, right? I mean, there's there's yeah. there's this one yeah, what comment a nice guy. where he's like, yeah, I don't care what my sister, just get me off of here. Um, like, yeah, very uh, a nice family, as as Mayfeld says. Heck, it's even on the. It's even on the soundtrack uh, called, you know, nice family. <laughs> um, Very nice. Which again, I, I have to, I want to call out, like I love, 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 love the giving out, the releasing soundtracks uh, online with every episode as it's released day and date, same time the episode premieres. Really great job, Lucasfilm. Thank you. Um, but the, probably the, the, the coolest and before we get to the very end, the coolest and, and, almost scariest moment of the episode is when zero eventually finds baby Yoda in the sleeping. Yes. Quarters. Yes. And he, he, you know, the, 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 the sleepy door to the sleeping quarters opens and, and zero aims his blaster at the little guy. And all of a sudden the child reaches out his hand and uses the force and he, and zero is dead just like that. But yeah. it wasn't the child. The Mandalorian was standing behind him and shot him through the face. We, I thought maybe his his like blaster had backfired or something, but no, it was uh, it was the Mandalorian uh, instead. And I just I love that child little surprise. Hand up there when the blaster bolt came from zero and ended up going back into his face. Yeah, I, I just I love that little look that the baby Yoda gives. Like, wait, what? That wasn't me. Yeah, you know, it was just pure perfection. But I have a question for you guys. If the Mandalorian hadn't been there, do you think Baby Yoda would have been able to use the Force to stop Zero? I, d- I don't think in time. Okay. He was able to use it to stop that uh, that beast a while back when it came to the, the uh, Mudhorn. Jawas. Yeah. But it but did take it, him effort. Yeah, it took him effort. And also, how long would it take him to um to get that powerful again to let's quote unquote because he's so young recharge his force powers mm-hmm. to take on something that big so i don't know it's a good question so here's a yeah. here's a theory um i don't know if it's a theory or just like a, a question to pose do you think baby yoda is no longer able to use the force because we actually haven't seen him use the force since he saved the mandalorian from the mudhorn on arvala 7 and and Doctor Pershing did do something with him, like maybe he harvested the midi chlorians, or I don't think so. I no, I think it's it's a child, and his ability to control the force is rudimentary at best. Yeah, he's probably like, still learning how to use it. The last time he used it, he like fell asleep for what a week, a couple days. Like that's fair. That's fair. It's just interesting. We haven't seen it in so long. True. I I do think it's that's all it is though. I don't think it's actually uh, you know, he's lost the ability. Although that would make for a very interesting discussion. Certainly. Yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. I I hope they, I hope they, 
we see more of his force usage later on, at least in the next two episodes. Because um, something is going on with Baby Yoda. Like, I'd love to know, like, what what was the client's mission? What does he what does he want? What were they doing when he was in that machine? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. But now we get to the part Tom was so excited about when the Mandalorian returns Ran. Uh, returns Quinn to to Rand's space station and and turns him in and Rand's happy to see Quinn and gives him a big hug and he gives the Mandalorian his money and they uh, you know does he doesn't care about the rest of the crew no questions asked and the Mandalorian leaves and as he's flying away the Rand orders the men to shoot down the Mandalorian and an attack ship rises from the ground was that it looked kind of like General Grievous, a starfighter from episode three, but I couldn't tell for sure. It did look vaguely similar. I don't think it was the same model, but it looked very similar. Okay. Looked more almost uh, sporty, correctly. like a sporty version of that with more weapons, a little wider. Interesting. That's a good point. Okay. Uh, but I, And then they pull out and they discover the clicker. And I love that Quinn didn't actually know what it was because he wasn't in the room when they were discussing it. That's, that's true. Where, yeah, that's true. And you see, that's that's where I get back to when it came to the clicker. Okay, you would think that again, it would be tied to the actual prison transport, not the clicker itself. And yes. this, it's the clicker, which was really cool that it ended up paying off at the end because the Mandalorian was able to one, um, give a couple people their comeuppance, and two, make a very clean getaway. Other than it's, the three he left behind on the prison It's train. such a great sequence. As there, Ran and Quinn are looking at this thing, trying to figure out what it is. The Razor Crest is speeding off into the sunset, and then three X-wings drop out of hyperspace. Which I found very funny because one of the one of the X-wing pilots looked so familiar. Yeah, I mean, I you feel would like think, I've seen him before. I know because it, it, here's the thing: <laughs> I missed Matt Lanter, but one of them was so obvious. I mean. Dave Filoni is like everywhere now. He's he's the voice of like, you know, Chopper. He's he's the voice of one of the guys from, you know, one of the aces in, in resistance. And guy, he's an X-Wing pilot now. I mean, the guy's well, living this, life. This I is it. his first live action appearance, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. First time he's ever ever seen ever seen Dave in live action. And it's great because not only is he the creator of so many, you know, series we love, like you know, Clone Wars and Rebels, but he's also the you know executive producer of this show and uh, you know and one of the directors and and writers of, of a couple of the episodes and his, his, even his character name Trapper Wolf is just so perfect because we know how much Dave Filoni loves wolves. Um, yeah. The other two though, did you recognize the other two pilots? They are I no, not uh, not at all. Job Dodger, played by director Ra- Rick Famuyiwa, uh, who directed this episode and wrote it. And that is so cool. Yeah, and Sash Ketter, Deborah Chow, who directed uh, an episode earlier this season and will be directing I think next week's episode. episode three, right? Yep, and she'll be directing yes, she did next week's episode as well. Um, so, uh, oh, that is so cool. Yeah, it, it, it's a nice you, little cameo for all three of them. I, so I realize I'm not exactly uh, impartial here, or I, I, I have some bias, but I feel like... Mm. Were I ever given the opportunity to direct Star Wars Salvatore, like, no, oh, you don't need to pay me. I'll just give me this type of cameo and I'm I'm good. I I'm right there with you. <laughs> I would love to have a cameo anywhere within the Star Wars. You heard it here first. Yep. We're available. Please. 
I you, totally. I mean, but no, it's just it's oh, it was so great seeing Filoni. I love seeing the X wings again. Yeah, because it's been. I mean, other than like, I guess you kind of see the X wings in Episode Seven. Um, you don't really see him in Episode Eight. Like, just such an awesome sequence. Yeah. I I, yeah. I loved it, and you know they immediately take out the attack ship, Rand's attack ship, blowing it up, and then start firing on the station itself. Um, it, it's it's great comeuppance, like you guys said for for this show and for the um, for the characters. Although I have to wonder, is it should the New Republic really be firing on an unknown station? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But but. <clears throat> That that's what I was getting at. It's like you've got a clicker. You would think it would again activate the homing beacon on the actual prison transport itself. Mm-hmm. So why is it this clicker? Because anybody could have had that clicker, and they're just going to destroy it. So they got in this case. You're right, William. They got lucky that the person that they really wanted was actually on that station. The Mandalorian got very lucky because now everything that in this part of his past is now gone. Yeah, I yeah. mean, let, let let's say that let's say the the, the and again, I, I I loved the ending sequence. So don't get me wrong, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Let's say that the um the 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 tra- the clicker had still been on um on the the prison transport ship. Uh, even if uh, uh Devan Matt Lanter, Matt Lanter's character, the only human on board, was dead, and and Quinn had been extracted safely, um. If they had come up and come in and blown up the ship, they would have killed all those prisoners. Unnecessarily. Uh, so I'm gonna play devil's advocate to your Go devil's ahead. advocate. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that makes it. I don't know if I'm gonna make um, a triple devil de- I, devil's advocate, so I'm staying on this one. I suspect what it really was is it's not that it was um you know, they were why well, I'm losing my train of thought. It's maybe, not maybe that it's they not a were signal, blown up the Republic like a, transports. Uh, it's more that they'd identify that, hey, one of the prisoners escaped. Maybe these are all high target prisoners. You know, we like it's mm-hmm. worse if they were to escape than if, you know, so on. Like we've lost control of the situation. The only option we have here it's is like to blow self, it. Got it. It's almost like a self-destruct, yeah. like take it out. It's it's all this hope is, is this lost. is the last resort. Got yeah. It. Yeah. And I, I, could see that. I suspect if uh, if that were not the case, say they were, you know, at the station the way it would probably work is they'd secure the airspace, ensure the ship couldn't escape, maybe disable hyperdrive, and then wait for other reinforcements. Right. But given that, hey, we're not assaulting an unknown station, like, yeah. Yeah. That's my that's my take on it. Yeah. And and like I said, I'm not going to try a triple devil, devil's advocate on it because I have no idea what it would do. <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing, like, I'd love to know, like, what did Quinn do that placed him on this maximum security uh, prison transport transport like he he must have committed some pretty heinous crimes well his sister is still around so we may find out at yeah. some point possibly do you okay so you'll notice he did run away so we actually don't see the station completely destroyed we see the station being fired upon we see True. the ship being destroyed the attack ship Mm-hmm. But right Another before, thing that probably prompted the attack actually correct right. that's true triples yeah. dev- devil's advocate okay fair point um you know, we see the the attack ship starting to Ray's is starting to take off. Um, Ran runs away, and then a few moments later, Quinn runs away as well. So it's very possible they survived. We don't know if they died or not. Um, 
And but for, we do see the X-Wings coming around for another pass. We do. And, and we see more explosions on the outside of the ship. But we don't know if it's completely destroyed. Or if they got into an escape pod or something. Uh, and we also ah, don't know... It's destroyed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with that one. And we also don't know, like, were, um, were Berg and Mayfeld and Sheon destroyed? Or killed? Because uh, they're, they're, they're on the prison transport. They presumably don't have food. There's no one living on the ship. All the droids have been taken out yeah but at this point Um, they know the ship's uh been intercepted i assume yeah so they're kind of stranded in the middle of the in the middle of nowhere do you think we'll see these characters again not this season certainly i could certainly Mm. see uh season two where yeah maybe down the line uh revenge of the crew type of thing um maybe i I actually bet you we would see that in season three not even not even season two but yeah Mm -hmm. I, I would think they would hold this story for further down the line. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, I do like how, you know, the episode, uh, uh, the, the last shot we get of the Mandalorian baby Yoda leaving the space station is, uh, you know, the Mando handing the child, the shiny knob that he played with in, uh, you know, in, in episode three, chapter three, um, again, as a, as a toy. And, uh, and making a comment about how he knew the job must have been a, a bad idea. And that's it. Yeah. That's the episode. Yeah. That's Longest the episode. one yet. Yeah. 42 minutes and uh, almost 43 minutes, I think, uh, roughly. And yeah, it was a longest one yet, but also really, really well done. Yeah. And these episodes do not feel long at all. That's the best thing about this. Even, I mean, for being the way it's written and the way it's structured by way of a space Western, they're letting the story just tell itself, which is really making these episodes go, in my opinion, very fast. I never even knew the episode was basically 43 minutes. I just watched the episode and got wrapped up into the story. And just like, I'm not sitting there looking at my watch going, is it done yet? Is it done yet? There's always something to keep you going toward the end of the episode. Yeah, exactly. Well, with that, uh, Stephen, what would you rate this episode? Ooh, I think I'm gonna have to give this an episode. Uh, oh, I'm, I don't, hang on. Let's think. I'm I'm leaning. I'm gonna call it a seven point five, maybe an eight. I think I'll go with an eight. Um, definitely, I think it's. I enjoyed this one more than the previous two episodes, but I still haven't found it to be as good as the first three. Um, just overall solid story. You know, I enjoyed the heist subplot. I enjoyed seeing the Mandalorian kind of do what he does best. Um, the previous two episodes, I think have been kind of light in terms of some of the fight sequences too. Just, I wasn't <clears throat> as impressed with them overall. And this one, I thought they did a really, really good job. Um, and since I'm lucky enough to go first, uh, you know, obviously the station wasn't destroyed yet. And what we, you don't see is there are eight other Womp Rats arriving in X-Wings to finish off Rand station once <laughs> and for all. <laughs> nice. Nice. Tom? I'm giving the episode an 8.5. Um, I enjoyed the episode. I, I liked it. I mean, there's really not much more to say about it than what it's already been said in the podcast. So my 8.5 Womp Rats, you see, I'm going to tie everything into the mouse droid because how did that mouse droid get onto the New Republic uh, prison transport? Well, it was the 8.5 Womp Rats that were the ones who actually were able to restore that from the Imperial version and turned it into a New Republic version. So the 
Womp rats are now little mechanics that are working on mouse droids. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Thought it'd be nice to them. Yeah. You are being nice to the good old womp rats. Uh, I'm going to give this uh, eight womp rats out of ten as well. Again, I I really enjoyed the episode. I thought it was well done. Um, Some of the supporting characters were okay, not great, but they were entertaining enough, uh, even if they were slightly one-dimensional. But I loved how they experimented with different scenes and just that the, the, the Mandalorian going after everyone was just pure perfection um oh, yeah. especially the scene with the strobe lights and just wonderful one thing i noticed like the the episode did seem to seem to use swipe transitions uh, especially the left to right swipe transition a lot more than most um star was obviously known for its transitions um but they they tend to be used somewhat sparingly in, in noticeable ways but there's not a significant number of them typically uh and i felt like there was a lot of those in this one um interesting note um felt a little bit overused uh but especially because they were cutting between um scenes on the same ship as opposed to like when star wars they do major scene like differences in like majorly different areas but either way uh i thought it was a great episode it was really cool seeing dave filoni and the rest of the directors and uh fun plot so yeah eight eight womp rats out of ten and my eight womp rats well, I'm going to, my eight Womp Rats are actually all thrown in j- different cells on the tra- transport ship. So, they are very uh, bad Womp Rats and must be kept in maximum security prison. Very nice. Yeah. So, moving right along, uh, we have our review of Star Wars Resistance Season 2, Episode 11, Station to station it was directed by bosco ing and written by mark henry in this episode kaz and niku sneak onto a first order refueling station in order to take out an important piece of tech but plans go awry when they run into tam and general hux the one thing i like about that summary it didn't bring up the other person they ran into as well because you also ran into jace rucklin well okay so this almost Go ahead. The the summary, the synopsis seems to a- actually talks about the episode in reverse to the way it's actually shot. Um, because one of the things I loved about this episode is that it actually primarily focuses on Tam and Jace, not Kaz and Niku. Yeah, um, that's true. They're they're actually secondary characters in this episode, and I I loved how they did that. I, I really did. Like we 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 finally after how many times we've we been talking about this for the season, like we finally return to Tam and, and Jace and cause I think Tam's story is the most compelling and they are, you know, they're, they're still kind of on probation after Tam tried to save Jace's life earlier in the season. And, and so, uh, they're just kind of doing uh, work around the, the ship and Tam even finds it more, you know, found years garage more interesting than this. Uh, and, and that's when Lieutenant Gallic played by Christine Dunford, sends them on a supply run to the Titan, a first order refueling station. Uh, I did really appreciate that these stations all have similar names, Colossus, Titan. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a, a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And I loved, loved the concept that there are multiple of these stations. Like, Oh, yeah. yeah. It's really cool to see. And, and the, the visual style as well. And you also got it pointed out that once Tam gets into the Titan, she notices that it's much different than the Colossus inside, where the Titan is all clean and, let's say, you know, clean compared to the Colossus, where it was like 
home for her and not as clean. Well, again, that's, that's what I love because like the Colossus, it's the same ship, same model ship, but as with cars, you can have the same model, but very different interiors. And um, they, the first order clearly got the more expensive trim because <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah. the, uh, they, they have a much more first order style ship uh then the, the the colossus you know it's kind of falling apart and a bit older this looks like a you'd expect out of a imperial or first order transport um apparently originally i mean it has the same layout but originally they were going to have the, the the visuals the interiors look the same uh but they were concerned from a production standpoint that it would be confusing for viewers and so instead they refinished it to look like a first order uh ship or even kind of like the imperial St- sky strike academy in rebels mm-hmm yeah. So what did you guys think when you finally saw Kaz that uh, his costume kind of reminded you of the Saturday Night, Night Live gig or Saturday Night Live gag that had Adam Driver as um, going undercover? Because I saw a photo of that today where they actually made that costume canon. Yep. Which I thought was really cool. Oh, Super nice touch. I actually really liked, you know, there's the sequence of where Tam is walking with uh, Jace and... She thinks she hears Kaz as, you know, this person walks by carrying a large thing. And there's a moment where she's like, was that Kaz? I'm not sure. And I had that same reaction. I was like, that sounded kind of like Kaz. Mm-hmm. But maybe is this an episode about Tam being reminded about her time on the Colossus? Uh-huh. Or is that actually Kaz? Um, and I, I mean, the gig is up very quickly, obviously. But it was... But- but the I fact that we don't cool the fact that we don't know and the fact that the episode starts with Tam and that's the first time we the first time we ever see Kaz and Niku in the episode is through Tam's eyes when she's mm-hmm. not sure if they're real or not. Yeah. And she's already and like she's processing like is she having feeling guilt about leaving her friends behind? They're on a very similar style of ship and all of a sudden she's st- seeing her friend when he's not really there, right? Like really compelling story. Right. Um and the fact that he's there just makes it even more interesting. Um, and, oh, yeah. but she starts to question herself and I, I, I love that concept. And I think for me, what made this work is you never saw Ka- uh, Kaz and Niku actually infiltrate the ship. Yeah. And I, that's what made it work. I, I really like that. I mean, yeah, Kaz is the star of the show, but it's cool to see him kind of just pick up mid mission through the eyes of someone else. Um, it, it made the episode feel fresh and different. It wasn't like, okay, let's start on the Colossus. Doza and Yeager give them a mission to infiltrate the Titan. While they're on the Titan, oh, cut to, you know, Tam. Tam gets a mission to go pick up supplies on the Titan. Cut to the Titan. They both run into each other. Like, that's how that would typically be written. Uh, and it yeah. wasn't. And it made it feel a little more unexpected and and unique, uh, which I really appreciated. It, it, it actually, that instantly made the episode e- even more interesting for me. I, I'd say this is one of the most refreshing episodes of, uh, I was about to say the Mandalorian, the resistance I'd say we've had in a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe almost all season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's basically like the, the, the premise here is that Kaz and Niku are, are trying to find a trans binary deflector because the Colossus is running out of parts and Hey, if the, if the Titan is a very similar type of ship, they can just steal the part they need and keep everyone from being fried by the cosmic radiation. Um, Which I, these maybe have some backups. <laughs> like, well, they're like, oh, two hours. 
or everyone on the Colossus dies. Well, maybe you should have done something slightly earlier. Okay, but we don't know how old the Colossus is compared to the Titan. They might have had four or five backups, you know? Like, yeah, and, and they probably could have gone uh, through a few of them. Yeah. You never know. I'm the it's kind of person who buys a lot of extras and stuff. Up. As soon as I have wrong. one left, I, you know, one extra left, I go buy a new one just so I never run out. That's what they should really be doing if it's going to fry everyone. To be but. I, to, <laughs> We've talked about this in previous reviews, but I, I do want to see more to the Colossus story beyond just the the ship continues to be broken and we need someone to fix it for mm-hmm. us. Well, and that per- those people that happen to be Kaz and Niku. Yeah, it's always them. Yeah, but to, to to Steven's point, like I wish there was a little more of a why, like what's their next objective? It's not like just yep. well, we need another part, we need another part, well, we need another part, we need food, we need money, we need a part, right? It's And that part I totally get. What are they doing? Why you know, we they know that something's going on with the resistance. Um what's their what's their job? Yeah, why the, are they wandering through space? The I, we know why the first order wants the Colossus, but why? Where is the Colossus going? Right, yeah. and I think the fact yeah. that the the episode didn't focus on that, and it actually like it was there, but it was just kind of like the MacGuffin, you know. Um, and it was really more about Tam. I think that helped alleviate some of the weirdness, the fact that that's still not there. Well, um, it gave it a fresh perspective. Yeah, again, because it was from ta- uh, Tam's point of view. Yeah, and I also say I'd say I, I, it, we talked about the radar technician, Matt, the radar technician um, look from uh, SNL that was now canonized in this episode. I also really like CB-23's look. Like she's now all black, like a first order uh, uh, droid, but with, you know, you can kind of see her red and blue highlights underneath, almost like the, they just like, you know, put oil on top of her or like, you know, soot and just kind of tried to cover up hurriedly because you can kind of see it poking out underneath. It was really well done. Yeah. Um, but uh, things get interesting when Kaz is stopped by stormtroopers all of a sudden and ordered to escort General Hux himself to meet with Commander Pyre um, and they have an awkward interaction in the elevator and Kaz is trying to hide his face from Pyre and all this this good stuff um, why do you think the stormtroopers would ask a technician to escort Hux to a huh. local community? expert yeah. I would yep. assume Totally true, because if you have stormtroopers that are coming onto a ship they don't know, yes, the experts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I did like seeing General Hux again, and Commander Pyre, for that matter. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I thought Ben Pendergast, who plays General Hux, did a, a passable job as him. Um, the last time we saw Hux, he was played by Domhnall Gleeson, of course, because they just used clips of Hux directly from... Uh, the Force Awakens, but this time they didn't have Domino Gleason, so instead they went with Ben and but Pendergast. And for the most part, he sounded like Hux, I thought, but there was a couple moments where he felt a little, a little off. But the uh, the inclusion of Hux in this inter- episode, I think, is even more interesting because now that means we must be officially post Last Jedi. Like we knew we were post oh. Force Awakens, but. Hux was chasing Leia and the resistance until oh, the battle. That's true. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Hmm. And so if he's gone, if he's now off doing other stuff, we must now be officially the furthest in the timeline until this week, until we see the conclusion of the Skywalker saga. That's true. Um, but then also that must mean we have to be getting close to the end of resistance. How many more episodes left? Uh, there's only, this is 10. So eight, eight episodes, I believe left. Okay. 
Yeah. So like we're. Uh, it's it's kind of the midway point if you want to look at it from that point of view. Past the midway point. Yeah. yeah uh, nine of, episodes. Maybe. Yeah. There's n- yeah. 19, 19 episodes of the season. Um, also, we get a reference <clears throat> to um, to Supreme Leader, the Supreme Leader, who wants an update on the on all the refueling stations. Um, which must mean that the Supreme Leader is not Snoke at this point, but now Kylo Ren. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, that's a neat detail Same here. Yeah, yeah. I, it kind of hit me as I was watching. Oh my gosh, they're talking about Kylo now because Snoke is dead. Um, Kylo is now controlling everything. Uh, and so he's Ooh. the one who wants all the refueling stations destroyed. And and Pyre even says that there is a there is one that's become a resistance cell, obviously the Colossus, but that there's mm-hmm. new intel that should put it back in their hands soon. So what's going to be the intel? That might be interesting to find out. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're they're setting a lot of stuff up, and I, it, they might be heading into the end game soon. And I I really hope they do. I would imagine part of that intel is going to be using um, Tam because they wouldn't. They're going to use Tam for something at some point. Yeah. Because Tam. Well, we're not. We're gonna. I'm. I don't want to jump I mean, as far ahead yet. Uh, well, I, you know, like. Well, Agent you want me to jump that far ahead? Says as much. She says if if they play their cards right, Tam might help them, right? Destroy but the I'm, Colossus, right? But I'm also about this episode. I was going to jump a little further ahead in the episode because Tam, we did sit there and say at the beginning of this part of the episode that Tam had the feeling she heard Kaz around. Well, at a certain point, she did run into him. Mm-hmm. So that does mean you know, and she did help him kind of get away. So there is going to be a certain point in which somebody's going to end up figuring that out and they're going to use that to their advantage and use Tam to go after the Colossus. So it's there. Well, so Tierney seems to think that Tam will, she'll be able to convince Tam to help them destroy the Colossus. But what we see in this episode, that may not be the case. Because that's Tam, what I'm thinking too. You know, Tam is, we, we see her slowly start to be reminded over and over again of her friends on the Colossus, right? They go by the supply depot where they're, they're supposed to pick up uh, a package and it looks a lot like Flix and Orca's office of acquisitions, except this one is very sterile and manned by droids. And Jace, of course, doesn't, he doesn't miss the Colossus, but Tam starts to kind of, she, she kind of misses her old friends and how it may have been a little more dumpy, but it was more homey. And, um, and, and, and to the point where later, like, she she even opens a door like there Kaz and Niku are cornered by Jace and she ends up opening after he leaves and calls in security on them setting setting off the alarm Tam literally opens the door and, and lets them you know helps them get free so they can help their their friends in the Colossus and and have them not die um something that you know, kind of shows that she still cares mm-hmm. very much about her friends. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think they're going to end up using her to find a way to get her, use her against the Colossus. There has uh, to be something. I think they want to. The question is, will she? I think yeah. want and will, even if she won't do it, they're still going to use her. Oh, sure. But I, I think yeah. they want to, they want her to help them and that she may not be willing to 
That is great. Right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, um, I actually did think uh, another thing I, I appreciate about this episode is Kaz's sneaking ability seems to be getting a little bit better. Uh, there was one I, point where he kind of failed hard. It was just like froze in the, <laughs> in the middle of the hallway as someone walked by. But the rest of the time, he actually saves Niku by making up this whole story about needing these parts and the, the stormtroopers just think he's just like a nerd, you know. And then, um, oh, he's you know just obsessing about these, this tech. And then they actually sneak around this, um, uh, this, this control center later pretty well. Like, I was actually impressed. I, I think it says a lot. Like a lot of my favorite episodes of Resistance have been episodes where Kaz is not a complete fool. Agreed. Totally Honestly, agree. Honestly, like the the fact that yes, the fact that Kaz is is frequently a fool, and the fact that the Colossus doesn't seem to be we're not getting like a good we don't really get a good sense of what's happening to the Colossus. I think those are the big two biggest weaknesses in the, in the show, and the fact that they're not spending more time with Tam. And like, had they almost transitioned almost completely to Tam, and seen her, like, kind of trying to wrestle with being part of the First Order, I, that might have been almost a okay. Mm-hmm. Instead, we see that, you know, she's still fighting this, you know, uh, personally. Right? She, she, she's she has to wrestle in this episode with her feelings for for her friends, and even is surprised by she's. But the fact that she herself is is opening the door and, and freeing them. And then contrasting that with Jace, who does not care in the slightest, just turns them all in and basically says, hey, if you're all going to die, that's that's your fault. You chose the wrong side. Do you, do you think the First Order is on to it? To Tam? To Tam. Well, you see, that's, that's, why, that's why I think when it comes to the new intel that Pyre brought up, yeah, I think they're onto it. Hmm. I disagree. I I, really? I, I want to know what the intel is. I don't know what the intel is, but um, but but there's a comment later about I can't remember if it's uh, Hux or or, or Pyre Tyranny. I'm trying to remember, but like uh, I think it was Pyre and Tyranny where um, they made a comment that Tam was with Jace when they he, the he, when he reported the the rebels. Or the resistance. Yeah. They, resistance. That's what I heard as well, but I just would Jace support that if they ask him? That's kind of what I'm unclear on. Mm-hmm. Jace, oh, I don't think Jace would uh, No. No, he, he, he would doesn't really to, seem to care. He would no, turn he Tam doesn't. in in a second. I mean heck, he said he wouldn't even save Tam if she were dying. Like like you know, she saves him and he's like, I wouldn't have saved you. <laughs> well, it, it's the same thing when they got into the um when they were fighting each other with the TIE fighters. Because it was all, you know, everyone for himself. He would have taken Tam out in a heartbeat. Yeah. He wouldn't have saved her. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting going forward with this. Yeah. I really hope we continue the momentum here. Mm -hmm. We get the First Order tracking down the Colossus actively. We see, you know, Kaz and the crew have to actually defend it. We see Tam forced to kind of confront and make her decision. Have the inner struggle start happening in Tam. Yeah. I I don't know if we will or not, but that's this episode sets up a lot of those pieces. Yeah. But I I still well, want to get back to still get back to the one comment that was made a while a while back between Pyre and Tyranny about doing a wipe on her and getting her just to be mm-hmm. total first order 
and that type of thing. They haven't I done I want to know if that's ever going to happen. I hope they do or try to. I want to see them try to because I want to, as weird as it is, I want to see how they do it because it's been hinted at and it goes all the way back to the awakens. They've hinted at this process as crazy as it is. I like to see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. Desperately want to see it. And yeah, I, I'm very excited. I, I hope they keep the momentum because at the end of the episode, Hux orders Pyre to find and destroy the Colossus effectively immediately he doesn't say immediately but effectively immediately it's like he's so furious uh about what happened he's like yeah go find it now and and destroy mm-hmm. it and that's when they're like oh yeah we think we think we have a plan i hope that's means in the next week's next week's episode they're gonna go destroy the colossus now i hope <clears throat> unfortunately i also know that a lot of times in shows like this we'll be like oh yeah go destroy the colossus three episodes later we actually see the, mm-hmm. the continuation right of this. that that's what my bet is i'm guessing next week do you think we'll get a uh last jedi last jedi excuse me rise of skywalker tie-in uh i don't maybe i don't think so uh, i think because of because the last few like few years they were always concerned about secrecy and leaks and so true yeah i don't know i would think if, if there would be anything they would probably make an announce they, they would probably hint at it but I agree. I don't think so. Yeah, I think they would hint at it in this case. Maybe it's possible. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, think we are. Right. Well, actually, I don't know because Rise of Skywalker is supposed to be. It's supposed to be at least a year, I think. Oh, after, that's true. Because that makes it a little bit tougher after mm-hmm. Last Jedi, and they have just barely passed Last Jedi, but they can't be that far. So, I doubt we'll get a tie-in. Maybe by the end of the season, I think that could I could see that, but not yet. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if we get a if we get a resistance tie-in in Rise of Skywalker. Could we see like the fireball as one of the you know many ships helping the resistance at some point? Uh, that would be interesting. Or the Colossus you really have to be in an the eagle eye. Right. Yeah. But who knows? I, I do hope that's what they do. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. But who knows? We'll see. We will see. But yeah, eventually, you know, Kaz and, and Nico, they, they run into Hux briefly as they try to escape. And I loved Hux's who when Pyre shouts like Kaz's name. And um, they manage to escape and they have this whole shenanigans in the in the uh, hangar bay where they have to use a crane uh, to lift them over stormtroopers and naturally it doesn't work and Niku falls off and everyone gets shot at and, and stuff. But eventually they, they do make it away uh, and they do make it and, and fly away. And in actually in the same type of shuttle as uh, the first order shuttle that Finn used in force awakens and uh, they, they escape. And again, we cut back to Tam to end the episode. Once, once Cam, uh, once Kaz escapes, we don't go back to the Colossus. We see Tam and Jace at the end. And, you know, Tam kind of puts back on her helmet and Jace is mocking our heroes and talk, commenting on how the Colossus must be in bad condition and, they, you know, they'll probably won't be around much longer. And Tam is clearly conflicted at the end. And mm-hmm. that's where the mm-hmm. episode ends. So yeah. I, I, yeah. I thought it was one of the best episodes in a while. For oh, without I doubt. totally agree. No, I, I agree. really enjoyed it. 
Yeah. Because of the best thing it is, it moved the story forward. And as we've already said, it took it from Tam's perspective, not from Kaz and Niku. And that's what really made this episode refreshing. Yeah. Are we up I for guess. reviews? Because I'm ready for it right now. Let's do it. Let's, yeah. uh, uh, Tom, what would you give the episode? I'm giving this a 7.5. I like this episode much better than the last episode because, again, as I just mentioned, it took it from Tam's perspective, and you got to see the inner conflict that's going to be happening with her, and hopefully it will continue more and more and more toward the end, and I would love to see the point in which it's so conflicted with her, you see Tyranny try and take her to get a mind wipe, and basically she is able to escape that. Plain and simple. So, with those feelings and how I felt about the episode, I'm going to give this episode a 7.5, like I mentioned. And with my 7.5 Womp Rats, you see, it really wasn't uh, CB23 that was manning those cranes in the hangar deck to help Kaz and Niku get to the transport. It was the 7.5 Womp Rats that were actually creating most of the havoc, trying to create the cranes that were knocking everything over so they can get to the transport. But... Because they're such butterfingers, they were causing more of a problem than helping really Kaz and Niku get to the transport. So. I think that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Steven, you're up. Um, yeah, so same. I Again, I thought this was one of the better episodes in a long time. Like, I was invested in the story. Like, I didn't actually regret spending the, you know, 25 minutes or whatever it is to walk through it. Ouch. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, not that Locked I've regretted it? previous episodes, but like this is what I could actually imagine watching again and not cringing, you know? It just it I thought it worked it did really well. Sorry, that was a little harsher maybe than I intended, but uh <laughs> anyway. Um so yeah, I'll give it I think I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten Womp Rats. Um I just overall kind of a solid episode. Um and at the very end of the episode, you know, you see uh I was about to say Taz, and that's not right. You see Kaz escape, you know, in the stolen shuttle. Um, and we see three TIE fighters that are trying to shoot him down. Of course, they miss. Uh, unfortunately, that's because there were Womp Rats, you know, about seven of them piloting those three TIE fighters. And they can't see above the cockpit window. Um, it makes it hard to shoot. So, uh, yeah, seven out of ten. Cool. Makes sense. Well, uh, I'm going to give it seven and a half Womp Rats out of ten as well. Again, I thought this was one of the best episodes they've had in recent memory. I really enjoyed the fact that it was from Tam's perspective for the most part. And we still got to see from Kaz and Niku's perspective, but it was primarily focused on, on Tam. I love the way that Kaz and Niku were introduced to the episode. I thought that was really unique and really fun. So, uh, yeah, seven and a half Womp Rats out of 10 is my rating. And, um, I, uh, I'm going to put my seven and a half Womp Rats and they're, they're actually the ones that helped remove the um the trans binary deflector you know because as as kaz and niku were trying to deflect it or to remove it kaz was having trouble and they'd like turn off the power and then kaz couldn't pull out the button and um it, it turns out that it was because there was a bunch of seven and a half womp rats hiding down below and so when niku pressed the button it, it the the womp rats let go that was a signal for the womp rats mm, to let go and then the, got it the deflector could come out so yeah that's my Seven and a half Womp Rats. Cool. Very nice. So what's going to be coming up on the Ion Cannon podcast next? Nothing nothing too big. We only have oh, really? our, nothing too big? our spoiler-free review of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of 
Skywalker, the riveting conclusion to the seminal Skywalker saga where new legends will be born and the final battle for freedom is yet to come. We, uh, again, we, we, we know that everyone is excited to see the rise of Skywalker. So we will be posting our spoiler free review in just a little while, not too long after this episode comes out. As we're recording this, the cast and crew are on the red or in this case, blue carpet. And they are all watching, uh, the rise of Skywalker for the first time. Lucky and, devils. Uh, right. right. And in LA right now, and we will be uh, we'll be getting our review, our spoiler-free review, up soon. We'll have both a written review and a podcast review. There will be different content, um, and so stay tuned for that. That'll be happening in just uh, I, I can't share exactly when, but very soon uh, after this episode uh, comes up, uh, goes live. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that. We have a very very busy week. Uh, due to the rise of Skywalker uh, and then of course Christmas, we're going to take a little bit of a break from the Mandalorian and, and resistance until the new year. I know, I know we're, we're sad too, but uh, we'll, we'll be back. get back to it. Trust us. Yeah. So after our spoiler free review, uh, we'll, we'll pull up, we'll put up our full spoiler review of the rise of Skywalker next Monday, the 23rd. That's just a couple days before Christmas. And then we'll all go on vacation for uh, you know a little over a week. And when we return early next year, we'll catch up on the final two episodes of The Mandalorian, which air next Wednesday, uh, just um, two days from now as we're recording and releasing this at a special time on on Wednesday instead of Friday uh, with a special clip from The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, and then uh, we'll be uh, uh, the, the series season, sorry, not series, season finale of The Mandalorian will air the Friday after Christmas, December 27th. So... Both of our reviews for, for those two episodes, as well as uh, Resistance, which is not taking a break either, um, the next two episodes of Resistance, we'll be reviewing all of those after the new year. So mm-hmm. stay tuned. There's a lot of fun to be had, a lot of exciting stuff happening. I can't wait, guys. This is going to be... This, this is, the, this is the, big, the big week. This is our, our Super Bowl week, you know, you could say. Or big game, and- TM. Um <laughs> Well, I, I, sorry, I still call it Super Bowl anyway, but I, I, I have to say this. I've seen, I, I really wish I could do this. I, I saw Star Wars with my dad and, and I wish he was closer to where we could go together to see the, um, Rise of Skywalker so I can actually finish out this trilogy and the whole, actually all nine parts because I have the one thing that the two of you guys have never, I have seen the original ones in the theater. That's what I grew up with. And I'm sitting here going, this is the end of 42 years of a saga for me on top of, well, not the books, but with everything involved, this is 42 years. I've been following one franchise. It's pretty crazy. It is. It's, it's, it's insane to realize that for, being the old fart, old guy in this podcast, sorry, tried to keep it clean, um, but to be the guy who saw it in a theater and remembering his dad laughing when R2-D2 got hit by the jaws and fell face first, my dad died laughing at that part and going all the way till now, 42 years. Yeah. It's hard to believe that the saga has ended. It is. In just a couple days. Yeah, really is. It's really, really hard to believe. And it's something that I never expected 
to see finished because it was always a thing to where when you heard back in the day that it was the old Greek tra- Greek tragedy or Greek way they told the story. You tell the middle, go to the beginning, go to the end, and you always hear, well, here's the middle. Eh, we're not going to do it. Then all of a sudden the prequels show up. Yay! Then you're just like, ah, it's over. And then all of a sudden, now you get the final three. So you're getting the full story after all these years. Yeah, It's amazing. It is. It really is. It is. So... Well, stay tuned. We got a lot coming at you. So again, our, our spoiler free review of the rise of Skywalker followed by our full spoiler review next week, just before Christmas. And then after the new year, we'll be talking about, uh, uh, the, the next, the final two episodes of the Mandalorian, as well as the next two episodes of star Wars Res- resistance. So stay tuned for that. It's a exciting time to be a star Wars fan. There's so much good content. I mean, yeah. heck, we can't cover it all. There's, we got books we gotta talk about. We got Jedi Fallen yeah, Order we, we wanna talk books, about. Man. There is so much content and uh, we will be trying to bring it to all to you as fast as we possibly can. But uh we just can't cover it even in two hours of podcasts every week. So yeah. uh stay tuned for all of that and uh we we hope you enjoy our reviews of the Rise of Skywalker. So mm-hmm. And thank you all for listening and uh have a safe holiday season. Yes, yeah, and don't worry, we will be talking to you before the oh, yeah, before, yeah, yeah. before we yeah, leave for the, at the end of the year. But, but yes, we we hope you enjoy it all. So, we'll be back very very soon with our review of the Rise of Skywalker, the final movie in the Star Wars saga, the Skywalker saga. That is. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, IonCannonCast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at IonCannonCast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.